Hello, my name is Janice B. Gordon. This is Scale Your Sales Podcast. Welcome to the Scale Your Sales Podcast, listed number nine of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional in 2021. I am Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert, recommended by LinkedIn as one of 15 innovative sales influencers to follow in 2021. In today's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast, my guest talks about going on a listening tour and how this can help you to be more buyer and customer centric, really understanding what their needs are. We also talk about sales leadership and how that's about self-leadership before you can lead others. As founder of Integrated Selling, with over 35 years experience, my next guest works with companies to scale and accelerate sales leadership and team development. She is passionate about creating both biocentric sales processes that are profitable and executable along with diverse and inclusive sales culture. Welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, Cynthia Zenti. Hi, Jess. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation because I know that we've had one offline a few weeks ago and literally we couldn't stop talking. (laughs) (laughs) So I've set my timer, Cynthia, because I know that we've got a lot in common. So I'm looking forward to this. First of all, tell me about your working life? Because I know that you juggle um, quite a lot. You've been in the sales industry for a long time. We talked about so many subjects, but let's start off with with that one. More about you. More about me. Look, Okay. So you know what? I'm a career salesperson. I've been in sales for 35, actually probably 40 years. If we, you know, look at from when I first started, which was cold calling at the age of 13. So I've always been in sales and I've done both business to business and uh, business to consumer as well. Love them both. Now I actually hold a director of sales position for a tech hardware company. And I actually do sales consulting as well, helping companies really develop sales leadership and, and accelerate team team growth. So that's how I work. And it's it's fabulous. I love doing both of them. It's a lot to chuckle, but it's I would imagine one feeds off the other because all of the consultancy, there's a lot of new insights and information that you're sharing amongst those clients that you then bring into your your fractional um, um, work as well. So that you know, I would imagine that both kind of leverage one another. They really do. And working in many in a couple of different industries is really, really helpful because we see trends developing, say, for example, social selling and how people are really connecting with each other now, you know, through the internet, through platforms, social media platforms, as compared to more the traditional sales, which I've seen in on the corporate side, like in the tech hardware side, they're seeing, um, you know, the, the, the shifts and one, they can, they can borrow from each other. And, you know, I see see these um, emerging trends, which is really interesting to to, uh, be part of. So talking about shifts, do you think that the B2B buyers have shifted enough to be buy and customer centric? 
Oh, I love this question. Yeah, this is one of the things that you and I talked about before. I, you know what, I still, I think there's still a lot of room for improvement. I think a lot of companies are really focused on strategy and tools and technology and how to uh, increase their, their activity. But I don't see enough, in my opinion, enough focus on how to connect quicker to their customers in a meaningful way and letting the buyer's journey lead the sales process. I see a lot of tech and automation trying to lead the sales process, not necessarily matching up with what the buyer is looking for. So how do you advise your companies to bridge that that gap to, you know, you've got all of the tech and I would agree with you, you know, the tech stack in sales now is enormous and you almost need people and departments just to manage that. And it's kind of lose sight of the customer and the buyer and, and their needs. So how do you advise your companies to bridge that gap? Oh, whew, that's a good question. So, and yeah, the tech stacks I see with like nine different pieces involved with it and more, and I'm, it's, it's a lot. Really what I suggest for most people is to take a step back and something that, um, you know, I, I really love suggesting is go on a listening tour. Spend some time just listening to your customers without an objective. Just get into conversations with them and hear where their gaps are and what it is, what is their process, not only for buying, but how do they want to be approached? You know, one of the trends that I'm seeing in, you know, the SaaS sales, which is, you know, software as a service, is demographics are really heavily skewed for the people doing the selling to, you know, a younger crowd, uh, predominantly maybe white, male, and they're reaching out to audiences, speaking in such a way that reflects how they want to do business. It's not necessarily how their customers, who may be older, diverse, you know, have different requirements. The, the communication style is not, is not matching. So I think when they have the ability to take a step back and really just get into conversations and ask people, how do you want to buy? What do you want your buying experience to look like? It doesn't need to be stop my business and do this, it can be done in parallel. You have maybe someone, whether it's in marketing, whether it's in sales, it doesn't really matter. Just have them reach out to some clients, people who didn't buy, right? People who have, you know, um, maybe people who have bought, but get their point of view. Like, what did you like? What didn't you like? What worked for you? What didn't work for you? And really start understanding how they can change their process to make it to land better for the clients. I think that's really interesting because often companies I work with and we talk about, well, what, what does their, you know, ideal customer profile, you know, look at all the different buyers, um, the buying process and the buying personas. And then I ask them, well, when was the last time you talked to this persona or, or this individual depending on if it's you know a, a key customer and yeah okay well you spent what did you talk about and it's often around an issue a product a, a service it's kind of ongoing but they don't have prepared questions that they might ask periodically about you know how are you <laughs> <laughs> how are you doing? How did you manage this process? Was it easy? 
they talk about the problems, but they they often don't talk about the the bits in between the 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 interactions and how people felt ab about it. And was it easy to communicate it to to their team? Yeah, you know, it's the barriers and often things that people don't say that are more important, even when it comes to things like sales coaching for leadership, helping their team. It's usually what's not being said that is the key to people actually having growth or experiencing success with products or even internally with their sales processes. It's just asking the questions. What's working for you? What didn't? What did you like about this? What didn't you like about this? And see what people or hear what people are saying and not saying. That's so how does that. this feed into the customer and buyer's experience and, and the impact that has on sales? People want to be heard. People want to be acknowledged. They want to, they, they really want to feel that their problems are being understood. And there, there's a level of comprehension from the seller that they can then trust that person with you know what their most intimate you know what their most intimate needs or requirements are it takes a lot and i think in sales people forget that it takes a lot for people to acknowledge that there's a gap in my business there's a gap in what it is that we're doing and it's costing us money because a lot of the sellers take that very personally this is me being vulnerable this is me being exposing myself and so a lot of people it takes a, it it takes a, it takes a bit, right? To to go out and say, yeah, you know what? I do have this issue, and that's why personalization and really getting into conversation, understanding beyond the surface level of, yes, this means that you know my sales are declining or I have this issue, um, but what it really means is that maybe me as an owner, I feel like I'm failing, or. I've tried this before and it's not working. So it's just another example. It's always beyond what people are communicating on the surface. It's how do I look to my peers if this doesn't work? How is my family going to think about me? How do I go home and still not have money for a vacation or things like that? It always goes beyond the surface. So when we can talk to people about their needs, strategy, implementation, with an understanding of what it means to them on a personal level, I think that's when we really get into being buyer-centric. Yeah, yeah. And I find it really interesting what you say about the emotions and the individuals of the, the people and that level is the thing that, that makes the difference. So let's talk a bit about diversity in sales. Um, you're, you've been in, in the sales industry for, for many years, like, like myself, and so you've seen a lot of changes. So my question is whether you feel that um, B2B sales have really progressed in terms of diversity or whether you feel that there's more to be done. There's always more to be done, you know, in general. And it shows up in a lot of different ways, one in our communication styles, um, but also the environments that we create for the people in the sales team. So is there more to be done? Absolutely. Because as long as the sales teams look the same, if you're looking around and everyone is the same, um, whether it's race, age, you know, gender, what have you. The, you're not ever going to appeal to the as much of a, as an audience as you could because your buyers probably don't look like you. And actually, I just you know had this conversation with an organization about this, 
is, you know, they have a very young dynamic team, which is exciting. And they're really excited on the phone, but you're phoning into engineers who are usually going to be a lot different in their approach, right? So if you don't have people who are necessarily able to resonate with, with the buyers, you're missing that. That's why the diversity is so important. Have your team be age diverse, have them be race diverse, have them be, you know, whatever diverse so that there's different experiences that they can share internally to expand on the collective base of knowledge, right? So if someone mm. is phoning in or they're yeah. contacting somebody and they're like, wow, that just didn't work. And they've got somebody who's got a different experience and they can say, well, you know, well, what do you think happened? And somebody else can give a point of view that's different than their own. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, a valid point in terms of, well, there's several. <laughs> One in terms of your customers uh, probably look different to your, your team of people that might be really, you know, motivated and ready to go. But if they're not communicating in the same language, you're not going to be able to um, sell to them and also leveraging the experience in, in the team. So lots of organizations, you know, there's been that stat that diverse teams are more profitable and, and companies have, have uh, said, well, that's the, the reason why we're, we're doing it, but they're not doing it really, are they? You know, they might bring in new people, um, diverse people, but the actual systems and processes, the organization, the culture, nothing really changes. So where do you think that, you know, how can companies do a better job? Um, and I love that we're talking about this because it is a huge opportunity and there's something that I would really like to stress about this. And so two things, one is what we, we were just talking about, the diversity and making sure the culture is safe for people of a diverse background. Um, that is really, really important. And if you're bringing people in because diversity increases bottom line, then you're monetizing it, which is something that I'm absolutely, it misses the whole point. We bring in diversity to expand, like I was saying, our collective. So we have a different, richer sales culture and environment. If you're doing it as a checklist thing, oh, I need to be diverse, you've missed the point because the absolute richness in diversity is in the different experiences, which also means changing your sales culture and it starts with management and it starts with that communication right so if you're always talking you know in what is often referred to as bro speak which is you know a younger white male and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that demographic it's perfectly okay but if your language is such that other people are excluded and it doesn't recognize their diverse background no one's going to feel safe to communicate with confidence or with safety, that, that feeling of assuredness that it's okay that I speak my mind and it's going to be well received, right? Um, I know that from a female perspective, being in sales for as long as I have, which feels like forever, <laughs> but I've been in environments where people have spoken over me. They've taken credit for what I've just said. They have not allowed me to express my point of view or it's been minimized, based specifically or based solely on the fact that I'm a woman in the room and it's just like well how could she know that kind of you know that attitude and it's it's still prevalent it's still happening where we're not allowing space for people to actually communicate 
entirely based on their experiences. Yeah, which is a great loss. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, huge, huge missed opportunity. Mm. Because you can have people from different backgrounds walk into a situation and just see things in a whole new light. They can see opportunity. They can see uh, processes where they could be tweaked and developed or, you know, maybe things that are working really good. You know, it's not always that they're able to see that people can fill gaps, but sometimes it can accelerate growth as well. Mm-hmm. I really like the fact that you brought up um, language and the way that we communicate, because, you know, I've got a bit of a bugbear about sales language. Um, <laughs> the words that we use, hunter, killer, uh, target. And I feel it's very disrespectful the way we communicate in our own teams amongst ourselves, but the way that we talk about our most valuable resource, which is our people and our customers, when we talk about them as leads and targets, it dehumanizes the whole um, experience. And you brought up the relationship with technology, emotions, and and real people. So you know, I'd like us to... Um, start creating new words that are respectful we're not on a safari and we're not hunting and i'm tired of getting emails from often male colleagues that ask me if i'm killing it and i say i'm not killing anything (laughs) but i am enjoying the work that i do with my most valued customers Um, and customers want to be treated as customers before they become customers they want to sample so if you're you know talking about leads and prospects and all of these things so I don't know what your view is it's clearly my soapbox (laughs) (laughs) you know what and I agree the language part of it is very legacy right which we're in a different time now and people want a different experience the ones that always get me are dominate and you know crush it and all of these things i'm like no i actually want a partnership so it gets into yes the communication but if we are going into clients now and actually looking at creating which most people want now is a different experience where they want someone to come in as a thought leader and we're partnering with people that doesn't mean there's um the that means there's an equality in how we see each other And that does start with language. So if we go in and we want to kill it and we want to dominate, there's no equality there. And it could be a subtle thing, but the message that's being communicated internally that we're um, connecting with always creates this imbalance where I'm one up, I'm one better, you know, I'm one this. And it's not true because they are the absolute, you know, geniuses at what they do. You may be really good at what you do, and it's a, it's a collective. Now it's a collaboration. I've got these experiences that can help you, but I don't know your industry the way you do. So how can I come in here and say, I'm going to dominate, right? That's such a backwards way of thinking that never, ever resonated with me. And trust me, I've been through the whole gamut of like the sales culture over the years. And I tell you, it never made me feel good. You know, when I'm standing as a woman in a room full of men that are saying, you know what, you want to, we want to go out there and crush it and dominate. I'm sorry, I've, I've lived this my whole life where, you know, I've had to fight and work twice as hard just to be seen as a peer. So for someone to tell me that they want to dominate me, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't feel so good. 
No, no, I, I I hear you. And, you know, I hope that the industry is learning and, and beginning to, to change that because they're trying to, one on one side, they're trying to attract new people in. But on the other side, there's new people, the millennials and, you know, Gen Z and that are coming up. And uh, millennials now are 60% of the buyer's leadership team. <laughs> so they have a different way of working and language and the next generation coming up behind them. So they're not engaged with this language uh, uh, at all. They, you know, it, it doesn't resonate um, with them. So there is a, still, I, I, I believe that there is a gap and we, we need to Rather than expect our customers to come to us, we we need to you know take that journey and 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 uh, modernize the way that we communicate within in sales. That's that's my view. So let me ask you a bit more about what would be the companies that you work with when you see that they are tr more traditional in their leadership team, you're a sales leader and you communicate and, and talk to other sales leaders. When you see that they are more on the traditional side, how do you help them to move forward? How do you help them to kind of see things differently? What, what would you be doing? Can I ask a clarification questions, because you know I'm in sales and we need to clarify things before we go forward. <laughs> when you say traditional, is that in their their communication approach? Is that in their leadership style or is that in their how they're doing sales? I'm thinking about in, in terms of sales leaders. Sales leaders have a massive influence on, on their sales managers and their right. sales team. And being a sales leader, you sitting around the table with other sales leaders, you must sometimes recognize oh, it's quite a traditional language might be one of the indicators, but there may be other things in the way they do things. How would you go about influencing other sales leaders to bring them forward and, and, and modernize? The first thing we always start with is assessments and audits, you know, obviously what is it they're doing now? One of the things that the exercise I, I love starting with is, do they understand what their team's personal goals are? What is it their team wants to achieve on a personal level? Because I think that's often led out, left out of the conversation. So understanding why their people are there doing the way that doing what they do and what because that's what's going to motivate them at the end of the day you know most there's this common belief that salespeople are you know we're just motivated by money 90 percent of the most salespeople i've talked to are not just motivated by money it's we love helping people we love serving people we want to know the easiest way to do that and often that gets left out because the communication we get from leadership is increase activity what are your metrics what are you doing strategy wise not what are your barriers to preventing you to getting your job so i think the first thing that i always suggest is understand who your people are and what are their barriers to being successful take yourself completely out of the equation like just step back and get into conversation with your team and then see how you can merge the two, not only with what they want to achieve, but what the company wants to achieve and create a collective vision of what it's like to move forward. 
And then you get into understanding what people's strengths are with different, you know, testing and things like that, which I love strengths finders. And then really helping people leverage their strengths. And as much as you may have a team, you still need to understand the individuals on the team, which includes yourself. So getting really honest about what it is you are doing in the day to day. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Okay, so Cynthia, who is your hero or shero? Oh, I love this question. So I have a few of them, but one that has always captivated me um, is Dr. Jane Goodall. And the reason why is because she was a woman who was ahead of her time and she set out on a journey. So first of all, I mean, she grew up in the Second World War, just had a different she just marched to a different drum, right? And she was always about trying to understand nature. I'm a huge nature buff. So she was, you know, she did the studies on the, on the, on the chimpanzees and, you know, our closest living relative, but she did that in a time during the forties, the fifties, the sixties and seventies. And throughout all of that, she's been the pretty much the only woman in her, in her field of study. And she's made groundbreaking discoveries, things that shape how, not only how, um, it's just around socialization and how evolution around that, but she's also very philanthropic and has brought a lot of light to how we as people are impacting the natural world, which is something, the environment is something that I'm particularly um, interested in. And she just made it really really cool for women to start doing things in different fields. And the fact that she did her all of her work as a woman during a time when women were not allowed into those fields to me has always been very inspirational. And she just has a very unique way of looking at the world and how we can do things differently mm-hmm. through, the, through the lens of nature, which is something that's been very inspiring to me. I find this really interesting because when the conversation we're having about diversity, so here uh, you've platformed a woman that has actually, as you said, been beating her own drum and out of that difference, doing things different, not like the other men uh, at the time in her industry, she has not only been a pioneer, but created a new way of looking at it, discovered new things and, um, influence the industry so i find that really interesting in the way that this this conversations come full yes. circle so yeah. thank you for that well thank you for asking because i had to think of that i'm like oh there's so many do i just you know <laughs> who do i talk to about there's so many but she's been inconsistent in my life because nature has been it's so important to me even from when i was a little girl spending time i mean i grew up in the pacific northwest mm-hmm. right in in vancouver just outside of vancouver and i spent a ton of time in the Rocky Mountains and just, you know, there's parks and lakes like minutes away from where I live, right? So I'm really, really lucky to be here. Um, and understanding how much our natural world plays into how we survive and thrive as humans. So that part has always just been really close to home. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. So how can listeners get hold of you, Cynthia? Um, the easiest way is probably directly to connect through LinkedIn. I'm there, Cynthia Zenti, um, through my website, which is integratedselling.com. Uh, integrated selling is actually my approach to selling. It's about bringing the leadership and the communication together and wellness, the individual wellness in sales. So that's integratedselling.com um, or through LinkedIn. Excellent. Thanks. 
Thank you so much for being a guest on Scale Your Sales podcast. Oh. I've loved talking to you. I loved being here and talking to you. And yeah, we could go on forever. I love that. <laughs> I think we've been quite controlled, actually. I, I, I know, it. right? I'm like, very good. Look at me tone, holding it back. <laughs> you for listening to this week's episode of scale your sales podcast if you like this discussion feel free to listen to other episodes or watch the caption show on youtube and subscribe to future episodes i would really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review on itunes thank you